April 11, 12, and 13 will prove to be a phenomenal time in Indianapolis. It's going to be IBC Music Fest. For more information, visit ibcmusicfest.com. Welcome back to the Indiana Bible College podcast, where today we have a chapel sermon preached by Sister Jane Claire Turner entitled, Needs Met with Broken Bread. Um, Thank you also to all of Student Council for this opportunity. Each one of you, I admire you so much. Thank you for your encouragement and all that you tirelessly pour into the student body each and every day and the example that you set. Of course, thank you to Brother and Sister Galleon for all that they do for us. I firmly believe that we have the best campus pastor in the history of the world. And I'm so thankful for all that they do for each and every one of us. Thank you to my family for being here. I firmly believe also that they would follow me to the ends of the earth if they possibly could, and if I should choose to do that. Um, And lastly, thank you to all of you. Um, It's so often in chapel services and student body prayers, and even just, I don't know, in the cafeteria sometimes I can look around and just marvel at the people that I get to rub shoulders with and all that God is doing in our lives, and how he is so gracious to us. And I just want each and every one of you to know that how much I love you, and I believe in you, and what God is doing in your life. And I'm so thankful for his grace and his mercy, as we so clumsily try and bear one another's burdens, as well as our own. So without further ado, I'm going to take my text from Mark chapter 10, verses 32 through 38. And it says, And when they were in the way going up to Jerusalem, and Jesus before them, they were amazed. And as they followed, they were afraid, speaking of the disciples. And he took the twelve again and began to tell them what things should happen unto him, saying, Behold, we go up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man shall be delivered unto the chief priests and unto the scribes, and they shall condemn him to death, and shall deliver him to the Gentiles, and shall mock him, and shall scourge him, and shall spit upon him, and shall kill him. And the third day he shall rise again. But the next verse says, And James and John, the sons of Zebedee, come unto him, saying, Master, we would that thou shouldest do for us whatsoever we shall desire. And he said unto them, What would ye that I should do for you? And, and they said, Grant unto us that we might sit, one on thy right hand and the other on thy left hand in thy glory. But Jesus said unto them, Ye know not what ye ask. Can ye drink of the cup that I drink of and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? So for a few moments today, I'm going to speak under the title, Needs Met with Broken Bread. And would you pray with me before you're seated? Lord Jesus, I come to you knowing that you have all power in heaven and in earth. And I thank you, Lord, for all that you are and all that you have done for us. I ask that you would come into this place, that you would open up our hearts and our minds to receive your word. Use me, Lord, and anoint me, Jesus, to speak your words that we might be strengthened, challenged, and encouraged. And we'll be careful to give you all the glory and all the honor and all the praise, Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for your goodness. We love you, Lord. Jesus, in your name. Amen. You may be seated. It was... A couple years ago, uh, on my birthday, 
and the new iPhone 6 had just come out. I think it was the iPhone 6. And uh, it was like the big change in design, and it was so cool, right? And so my parents are awesome, and I love them so much. And they got me the new iPhone 6 for my birthday. And I was so excited about it. And, uh, <laughs> and I got this new case, and it looked really awesome. And it looked really sturdy. You know, you're like, but it was also really cute. Like, it had flowers on it. And I was just so excited. Like, I got this new phone. I got this new case. It's going to protect it, and it looks good, too. And it was, it was having fun. It was finally spring. It was finally warm outside. Made it to the end of April, and thank goodness it was finally getting warm. And I think we were going to do something fun the day after I got my new phone. And I remember being in the slob parking lot, and I don't know what I was doing, but I remember running from either my car or somebody else's car to another car to go do something fun. And I remember, I don't know what happened, but my phone quickly fell to the ground and landed face first. And it's just like that pit in your stomach. They're like, oh, no. And I was like, you know, surely it's going to be okay. It's going to be fine. I've dropped my phone so many times. I've got this new case on it. It looks so great. It'll be fine. But sure enough, I pick it up, and the screen is shattered. And it was just so disappointing. You're like, I just got this phone. Oh, man. But how often can we be just the same way? And everything that we think is going so well, and in a moment, everything is shattered. And I looked up the definition of the word broken, because usually that gives me a place to start when I do that. So broken defined is having been fractured or damaged and no longer in one piece or in working order. Or of a person having given up all hope or despairing. And we as humans are fragile beings. There are some times when we deal with brokenness because of a sin issue that we have not dealt with. But there are many times, oftentimes, that life just comes at us. And things that come at us... And we are broken and despairing due to circumstances that we cannot control. A family situation, a sickness, a financial need, a relationship that is ended and forever changed. Not meeting the expectations that we set for ourselves. Feeling like we've fallen short. All of human, ex- all of human life experiences this kind of brokenness. However, I think that in some ways we more acutely feel this, this kind of brokenness in Bible school. As ministers, we're supposed to be become ministers of the gospel. Shouldn't we at least be whole by now? All my seniors said amen. You'd think that after all these years, you'd think that after all the things that I've been through, all the experiences that I've had, I would know how to hold myself together by now. How can I minister to a broken world if I myself feel like I am not in working order? In Bible college, brokenness comes with a burden. Sometimes, I don't know, do you ever just sit around and sit down and let the weight of the accumulation of all the people that you've met, all the things that you've experienced, all the difference that you wanted to make and you feel like you just didn't get there and just let it sit on you? Sometimes I just think about all the people that I went to school with and all the people that I met, all the things that I've seen and all the differences that I wanted to make and think, man, I kind of missed it, didn't I? That's the burden of Bible college. That is the brokenness of Bible college, a burden for a broken world and a burden for our fellow and aspiring ministers. However, I think we make it much harder on ourselves when we live with a misunderstanding of the necessity, the responsibility, and the blessing of brokenness. In the text, we see James and John just after Jesus was telling them that he was about to be mocked, scourged, spit on, and killed. And here is James and John 
And they almost completely ignore all of that. And they're asking for positions of high honor and authority. And it's really easy to get indignant at them. And think, what are you thinking, you dummies? Aren't you listening to anything that he's saying? Like, you're totally missing the point. But how often do I find myself doing almost exactly the same thing? I cannot fall so much in love with my ministry into fitting into a church culture that we've created, that that's all that I focus on, that's all that I think about, while almost ignoring the words that Jesus is trying to say to me. It's all that I seek after, and I ignore the words Jesus is saying, speaking of his suffering. What an adventure in missing the point. And I don't know about you, but I'm pretty sick and tired of allowing my stupid self to get in the way of what God is trying to do in my life. How often do I allow my selfish concerns, my selfish ambitions to keep me from being the minister that God has called me, and even more simply than that, to keep me from being the daughter and the sister and the friend that God is trying to make me into? Jesus responds to them, and I love his response. He basically says, well, can you drink of the cup that I'm drinking of? He said unto them, you know not what ye ask. Can ye drink of the cup that I drink of and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? And they said unto him, we can. They were so confident. They didn't know what he was talking about. They're like, yeah, we can do that. Oh, yeah. Drink from a cup, be baptized. Oh, man, yeah, I can do that. And Jesus said unto them, he said, Ye shall indeed drink of the cup that I drink of, and with the baptism that I am baptized, with all shall ye be baptized. So he asked them if they could do it, and then without understanding said yes, and he said, well, you don't get it, but you're going to get it one day. (laughs) Indeed, you're going to have to drink from this cup, whether you know it or not. He was asking if they were willing to suffer as he will. Then he basically tells them that indeed they will suffer, and even though they didn't seem to have any idea what he was talking about. Later on in verses 42 through 45, Jesus explains the point further. He said, Ye know that they which are accounted to rule over the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, and their great ones exercise authority upon them. But so shall it not be among you. But whosoever will be great among you shall be your minister, and whosoever will be the chiefest shall be servant of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister, and to give his life a ransom for many. He was trying to get through to James and John that if you want positions of high honor and authority, you've got to become the minister of all. You've got to be lowly and and to be great in the kingdom of God. I found this little book on the book trip, and if you're friends with me at all, I'm sure that I've told you about it, and you've probably heard most of the points I'm going to make today already. But this is just a little shameless plug. I think more more so than I found the book, I think the book found me. There was no reason that I should have found it. So if every chance you get, put your name on that list. Because you never know what can happen. So in this little book, it's titled, As the Small Rain. Bob Jones Jr. describes the scene this way. He says, these two disciples had their minds so occupied with their own greedy ambitions that they seemed not to have heard at all the words of the Lord. They listened so half-heartedly, so absent-mindedly to the words of the Savior as he showed them the suffering which lay ahead. Their selfish dreams and ambitions shut from their consciousness the necessity of the cross. The disciples had not learned the lesson that suffering must come before glory and that through the lowly gate of anguish and death leads the path to the throne. 
Jesus was trying to impress upon them the necessity of his suffering and also explain that they will suffer too. Jesus, the man, earned the name above every name and was glorified only through the suffering of the cross. You want to be great in the kingdom of God, James and John? Are you willing to drink of the cup of my suffering? What we so often forget to consider in the midst of our brokenness and suffering is that if we are truly to be Christ-like, we must suffer as he did. And this is just a little extra. I was thinking years ago, I think it actually is from the very first sermon that I ever preached in chapel. Um, The word passion is something that we use a lot. I'm so passionate about ministry. I'm so passionate about what I want to do, what God's called me to. And I think it's good that we use that word. I think we need to be passionate. But I think the word means something more than we use it for sometimes. Because in my Bible, the word passion only shows up once. And it's in reference to the suffering of Jesus Christ. And what this tells me is that am I really passionate if I'm not suffering for it? Am I really passionate if I'm not suffering? Can I really be passionate about the lost? Can I really be passionate about ministry if I'm not willing to suffer for it? Jesus in your name. His suffering was necessary and so was ours. We must acknowledge the necessity of our brokenness and must also, just as Jesus did, honor the responsibility of it. In Mark 14, chapter 14, verses 3 through 6, Jesus is in Bethany at the house of Simon the leper. And he sat at meat. There came down a woman having an alabaster box of ointment of spikenard, very precious. And she broke the box and poured it on his head. And there were some that had indignation within themselves and said, Why was this waste of ointment made? For it may have been sold for more than 300 pence and have been given to the poor. And they murmured against her. And Jesus said, let her alone. Why trouble ye her? She hath wrought a good work on me. And so here we see a broken woman laying down all that she has before the feet of Jesus. There will be some who will have indignation against you for committing yourself to the suffering of Christ. I think we know this by now. When you lay down your abilities, your time, your energy, your mind down broken at the feet of Jesus, many will not understand. Don't you know that you could have sold all that for so much more? You could have been anything. You could have gone anywhere. You could have made millions, and you're at Bible college, and they'll say, what a waste. And they'll murmur against you and have indignation towards you. Family, friends, co-workers, they may question and pressure and misunderstand you. But you do not need to be ashamed. I repeat, you do not need to be ashamed. God has not called you to have a wildly impressive and successful career in the eyes of the world. You may have a career. You may have a good one. You may have one that you're called to, but it is not your purpose and it is not your mission. Your mission is to preach Christ and him crucified. Your mission is to follow wherever he may lead you. And I hope, oh Lord, I hope and I pray that I will not let the circumstances of life keep me from my commitment that I have made to the suffering of cross. I hope that I can live the prayer that if every one of my friends forsake me, if my family turns their back on me, if everyone that I meet forgets my name, if I never touch a microphone again, if each and every one of you forget me, that, oh, I would stay committed to the commitment that I have made to the suffering of Jesus Christ to go and preach the word. Jesus didn't say, follow me 
and your life will be a breeze. I'll make you highly honored and highly favored among men. But he did say, follow me and you will be hated for my namesake. But I will be with you. And yet still sometimes we, our suffering can make us feel so very alone. How is this fair? How can we face this? The question is, do we really want to be like Christ? Because do you really think that Jesus didn't suffer like you are? He did all that and so much more. Jesus was obedient even amidst the emotional pain of rejection. You think Jesus hasn't felt misunderstood or betrayed? Again, in that little book, he describes Jesus' experience with misunderstanding, disappointment, betrayal, and abandonment. He says, the Lord Jesus Christ knows all about the shallow and changeable human heart. He knows the fickleness of popular favor, the faithlessness of human friends. He saw a false friend betray, a trusted friend deny, cowardly friends follow afar off and flee in the hour of his trial. Beyond that, Jesus knew acutely the physical suffering that he was about to to endure. And let me tell you, his flesh didn't want to face it. Luke 22, 41 through 44 says, And he was withdrawn from them about a stone's cast and kneeled down and prayed, saying, Father, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Remember that cup that he asked James and John if they could drink of? Here it is. He said, Remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. And there appeared an angel unto him from heaven, strengthening him. And being in an agony, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was as it were great drops of blood falling to the ground. And I don't know, maybe I'm the only one that kind of glazed over that part a lot. I don't know, maybe I just took it as something that was metaphorical, that I never really dwelt on the fact that his sweat literally turned into blood until I found this article that I'd been looking for for a while in the Journal of the American Medical Association. It was published in 1986. And if you've ever read The Case for Christ, it's the article that the doctor that Lee Strobel interviews references. And it's on, on the physical death of Jesus Christ is what it's called. And if you ever want to read something that will break your heart and make you really nauseous, you should read this. Um, to, to understand the in acuteness, the suffering of Jesus Christ. But it's here that we find a statement made, a medical statement made on this portion of Scripture. And it says, although this is a very rare phenomenon, bloody sweat or hematidrosis, I think I'm saying that right, may occur in highly emotional states or in persons with bleeding disorders as a result of hemorrhage to the sweat glands. This amazed me. I never actually thought that it was possible to actually sweat blood unless you had a medical disorder. But even this, these doctors said that in highly emotional states, it can happen. Even being strengthened by an angel, Jesus was in such an agony that he sweat blood. And here I am whining about my emotional struggles. And never once in my life did I think I was ever so upset that I could sweat blood. <laughs> Jesus not only understood the necessity of his suffering, but he was responsible for and obedient to it. Through him, we can do the same. We do not serve a God that does not understand our pain, emotional, physical, or otherwise. He suffered it and so much more. And yet he was still obedient even unto death. He is with us, and through him we can take on the responsibility of the burden and come through every opposition we face. And yet, still we may, we may ask, why is this brokenness necessary? Why must I be responsible to face it? 
I don't understand. Why? Why do I have to go through this? And I found an answer that I'd never really thought of before in Matthew 15, verses 32 through 37. It's another familiar portion of Scripture. It says, when, Then Jesus called his disciples unto him and said, I have compassion on the multitude, because they continued with me now three days and have nothing to eat. And I will not send them away fasting, lest they faint in the way. And his disciples said unto him, Whence should we have so much bread in the wilderness as to fill so great a multitude? And Jesus saith unto them, How many loaves have ye? And they said, Seven, and a few little fishes. And he commanded the multitude to sit down on the ground and took the seven loaves and the fishes and gave thanks and break them and gave to the disciples and the disciples to the multitude. And they all did eat and were filled. And they took up of the broken meat that was left, seven baskets full. And what I never really thought about before was that the miracle did not come until the bread was broken. None of the 4,000 would have eaten that day if Jesus had not broken the bread and the meat. And what this told me is that your brokenness in the circumstances of life and the burden for a broken world is not an error. It's not a weakness. It's not a fundamental flaw in you. But it is the method by which God can use you to work through you to meet the needs of a lost, dying, and a hungry world. This is because Jesus teaches us things in our brokenness that we would not learn otherwise. I know that I myself am a little too stubborn to learn some lessons the easy way. In our brokenness, we must draw nearer to him. And Job, Job put it this way. He said, when he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. And I thought of that for a minute because Job said that very purposefully. He knew what he was talking about. And so I Googled it, what it means to refine gold. And I watched this three-minute YouTube video that explained it. And uh, there's a lot of chemistry to it that I really don't understand. My dad could probably tell you all about it. But I noticed three important things. They took the ore, and what happened to it is that there was a lot of crushing, a lot of grinding, and a lot of fire. And I think Job said this very intentionally because he knew that he started out maybe as ore in some ways, and that he had to go through some crushing, and he had to go through some grinding, and he had to go through some fire before he would come forth as gold. And this... This is the paradox of serving as a minister of Jesus Christ. Sometimes blessing can only come in brokenness. You don't always feel this way. I really don't believe that you'll always feel broken. Circumstances of life won't always be hard. But when they are, and they will come, remember that only the greatest crowds, they can only be fed with broken bread. The greatest crowds can only be fed with broken bread. Again, in that little book, there's a poem that goes like this. Five broken loaves beside the sea and thousands fed. As thy hand, Lord, in breaking, bless the bread. Men would the throng in emptiness have sent away whose needs were met with broken bread that day. A broken vase of priceless worth, rich, fragrant shed. An ointment poured in worship on thy head. A lovely thing all shattered thus. What a waste, they thought. But Mary's deed of love thy blessing brought. A broken form upon the cross and soul set free. Thy anguish there has paid the penalty. Sin's awful price in riven flesh and pain and blood. Redemption's cost, the broken Lamb of God. O break my life if it must be. No longer mine, I give it thee. O break my will, the offering take. For blessing comes when thou dost break. The music can come. 
then you can stand. I'm almost finished. Paul put it this way when speaking to the Corinthians of the ministry. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 5 through 12, it says, But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. For we are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. We are persecuted, but not forsaken, cast down, but not destroyed. And my favorite verse comes next. It says, always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus Christ, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. For we which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. So then death worketh in us, but life in you. Later on in the chapter, in verse 17, it says, For our light affliction, which is for but a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. This life is but a vapor. And the suffering that we experience at the hands of life is but for a moment. And what it, but what it works in us is for a far more and exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Earlier in the letter, the beginning of chapter 1, verses 4 and 5, Paul says, speaking of Jesus, who comforteth us in all of our affliction, that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted. For as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation also aboundeth by Christ. The altar is open. And let me tell you, God has not left us comfortless. And if you look at the root of the word comfort, it comes from two Latin roots, meaning con, meaning together with, and fort, as in fortress, to strengthen. So the comforter that Jesus sent is not like the big and fluffy thing that's on our bed that keeps us all warm and cozy, but it is Jesus coming with strength to face our situation. It is Jesus coming with strength to face whatever life throws at us. Your brokenness is not meaningless. God is preparing you to reach a multitude of souls who are hungry for him. Do not despair. Lay all of your broken things down at the feet of Jesus. Let him teach you today and let him comfort you today. Music Fest is a conference designed to challenge and inspire those involved in church music and worship arts ministry. You can head over to www.ibcmusicfest.com and register. 